0: Stateside view of this year's hurricane season.
1: I don't think anyone could have guessed it would have been this active, this record-breaking and this devastating.
0: Data visualization, representing climate change in a snapshot.
1: It's
2: our responsibility as scientists to communicate the science and it's crucial that the work we do is communicated effectively.
0: The weekend looms, More wind and rain?
2: The isobars will be fairly close together,
3: particularly for Northern Scotland.
0: It's Friday the 20th of November and you're listening to Weathersnap from the Met Office. Hello, I'm Claire Nazir and this is WeatherSnap, an insider's guide to the week's weather brought to you direct from Met Office HQ. It's been an unprecedented hurricane season and despite the fact the 30th of November marks the official end of the season, this week we watched as Hurricane Iota developed into a Category 4 major hurricane as it surged towards Nicaragua. Earlier this week, Alex Deacon chatted with Emmy Award winning meteorologist Jennifer Watson to get a more stateside perspective on what's been going on over the last five months.
1: The hurricane season itself is... Yeah, we knew it was going to be active. We all (laughs) forecast that this 2020 hurricane season was going to be active in the Atlantic Basin. I don't think anyone could have guessed it would have been this active, this record-breaking, and this devastating. Nicaragua in Central America has never been hit by two major hurricanes in the same hurricane season, let alone nearly two weeks apart and 15 miles apart. It's Absolutely crazy. And they've reported uh, feet of rain, especially across northern Honduras and northeastern Nicaragua, where they've received more than three feet of rain in some locations.
4: That's 90 centimeters, approximately 900 millimeters of rain. To put that to context, London, southeast England gets around 500 millimeters, 600 millimeters a year.
1: Yeah, uh, the next like one to two weeks, especially, I mean, it's kind of weekend, it'll be moving into the Pacific Ocean, it's still tropical depression as of right now but will continue to weaken. The fact is they're still getting some rain showers. The heaviest are gone, but the risk of mudslides, landslides, and just other devastation, I mean, it's going to take months, if not years, to fully recover from this because many people were out of power, didn't have internet service or anything after ADA, and then IOTA came. And so some people maybe didn't even know the storm was coming.
4: It's quite strange the hurricane season because it officially runs from June to November, doesn't it? But any tropical storm that's within the calendar year is still in the names.
1: Yes, so any storms that develop before June um, will start with the A name. But the fact that we've gotten to the Greek alphabet and gotten this far into it, another interesting fact is Hurricane Iota was the 10th named storm to rapidly intensify, meaning that it increased its wind speeds by 35 miles per hour within a 24 hour period
4: That rapid intensification is the key area, isn't it? Because although there's uncertainty about whether we'll see more uh, storms in the future, but there is strong evidence to suggest that with climate change, it is that rapid intensification that we're gonna see more of. So there is strong evidence from this year for that.
1: Yeah, and it's pretty scary. And rapid intensification, one in every three storms will rapidly intensify. The fact that we've had this many is just remarkable.
4: I guess it's a learning curve it's like a computer learning curve as well the supercomputers are having to get to grips with this rapid intensification
1: yeah and one of the things that i love about the weather community no matter what country you're in or where you are we all share for the most part weather models right our different yeah. modeling yeah. systems and so we can look at different ones and see which ones do better and perform better than others but we'll see i'm hoping like fingers crossed Things are done, at least hurricane-wise, hopefully tropical storm-wise too. But at least positively, we're nearing the end. Like It's got to end at some point. We're nearing winter, and so it will get better. There will be time to recover, but it's just... Looking back at that, I think meteorologists for years are going to be studying this, even for decades studying this season, trying to understand exactly what happened and in the immediate future trying to forecast, okay, is this what we're going to expect for the next five to ten years?
0: The science of climate involves tens, hundreds, if not thousands of years worth of data, covering everything from air temperature to soil moisture. Presenting this information in a way that can easily be understood is something of a challenge. As part of our occasional series looking at the roles of individuals within the Met Office, this week we hear from a visualisation expert Neil Kay.
2: My name's Neil Kay and I'm a scientific software engineer at the Met Office. What that actually means is that I create and design data visualisations and maps and graphs. So I did a Geography degree and this has been very useful in my career at the Met Office because virtually all the data we use has a spatial element. It's something that is in a place. My work creating maps, graphs and animations helps people understand the science by telling the data as a story and hopefully engaging them to find out more about the core science. The requirements for A visualization that I make for the general public are slightly different from ones that might be made for a scientific audience in that the information may need to be simplified so it's easier to understand. However, the underlying science still needs to be communicated truthfully and effectively. The reason that we need to inform and share our data Is it's our responsibility as scientists to communicate the science and it's crucial that the work we do is communicated effectively or it is more likely to be ignored or denied. Choosing the format is often dependent on the data but I often try and pair back to the basic and label the data directly so people can avoid looking back and forth to a key or legend. Some of the pitfalls and mistakes the Met Office and other companies have made in presenting data is trying to include too many unnecessary colours and trying to fit too much onto one graph. Also using units that are understandable to the general public, for example not displaying temperatures in Kelvin so that an average summer day in Britain is 290 degrees which is meaningless for most people. Effective visualisation it's very powerful. Some of the work I've created has been seen by thousands and in some cases, millions of people. Because of the massive reach that some of my visualizations have, I have a great responsibility to ensure that they are correct and they represent the data effectively. I get many contacts from people in schools and universities who'd like to use my visualizations and tell me that they find them really useful and helpful for them to educate their students, which obviously gives me a great feeling that the stuff I'm doing is helping people.
0: It's been a wet and windy week, but any high pressure on the horizon? Here's Ada McGiven.
3: Low pressure will be to the north of the UK this weekend and high pressure to the south. That means we'll have a westerly breeze and the isobars will be fairly close together particularly for northern Scotland, where there's the risk of gales. And for the Northern Isles in particular, during Saturday morning, there's the risk of 65, perhaps even 75 mile per hour wind gusts. Those kinds of wind speeds can cause disruption, ferry transport disruption, for example. And a yellow warning is in force for Saturday morning. Elsewhere, across much of Scotland, Northern Ireland, Northern England, there'll be blustery showers carried in on that keen wind, but some sunshine in between and it's cold enough that those showers will be falling as snow over the Scottish mountains. Further south again and a cold front will rest across central parts of the UK and that means that for Wales, Northern England as well as the Midlands during Saturday, it's a cloudy and occasionally damp day. Again, further south and for southern counties of England mostly dry with some brightness coming through before that weather front brings outbreaks of rain into Saturday evening and overnight. Sunday's a similar day with cloudy skies and some dampness for the far south and southwest, but for much of central Britain plenty of brightness, some sunshine coming through. Scotland and Northern Ireland will see another blustery day with those winds remaining very strong for the far north of Scotland.
0: Thanks, Aidan. Now over to Martin Bowles with last week's highs and lows.
2: Here are your weekly weather extremes from Monday the 9th to Sunday the 15th of November. Last week started on an exceptionally mild note, with the highest maximum of 18 Celsius recorded on Monday at Gogadan in Cardiganshire. There was only one night when a frost was recorded. In the early hours of Tuesday morning, the air temperature dipped to minus 0.3 Celsius, at Altnahara in the Scottish Highlands. Thursday was the sunniest day. 7.7 hours of sunshine was recorded at Wattisham in Suffolk and also at Manston in Kent. The highest daily rainfall in one day was on Wednesday in Stornoway in the Western Isles, where there was 42.8 millimetres of rain.
0: Thanks, Martin. That's it for Weather Snap. I'm Claire Nazir and the producer is Adrian Holloway. Snap is a podcast by the UK Met Office.